Let me just tell you a little bit about me so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I was a patient in a mental hospital. So welcome to the so that's my story, and I hope you won't think I'm too flip about mental illness, but if you do, I would say that's my story, that's how I share it, and that's the story that brings me to you today. So welcome, friends, to Consider Yourself Hugged, episode 25. We're at like a quarter of a hundred. I'm sure there's a name for that. Today's hug, when small failures elicit gargantuan emotions. I am Dr. Tammy West. I'm here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. My 17-month-old golden retriever, Charlie, took his therapy dog evaluation this past Saturday. And since you've probably already read the title of the episode, you already know the result. And as always, although, you know, I really don't think I've said this before, but me psychotherapy is Sue psychotherapy. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, apologies to my Spanish-speaking friends for trying a variation of the Mi Casa thing. But I always want you to learn from things that I go through. You may not know the history of Charlie, so let me start with that. And I, and I will post a link to his Instagram in the show notes. Yes, he has an Instagram. Yes, he is adorable. So I brought him into our world on April 29th, 2018, after we moved back to Tennessee from California. And he has brought so much love and joy into my world, my family's worlds, my friends' worlds. He is just a pleasure. And even before I got him, I already knew I wanted him to be a therapy dog because of mom. When she was living, I would bring Roxy, my little Shih Tzu, and I'll put a picture of her too. Um, I would bring her to visit. And she and like all the people there would just want to hug on her because she is pretty adorable. But if you know Roxy, she is not that kind of dog. She's always been just a little bit grumpy. So Charlie, Charlie would be that dog for them. So the journey began the day he came to me. I started training like immediately, like the day he came to my house. I worked with him every day. I hired a trainer. Her name is Kelsey Drake, and I will put her contact in the show notes, actually, just in case you're local because she's amazing. So he would stay with her sometimes for a few days here and there when I would go travel and speak. He did a two-week boot camp with her. She taught him so much. And then I had to take it from there. So I had trained him every single day for a solid year when, in April of this year, we had a setback. We finally realized that he was dealing with a food allergy. He'd been dealing with, like, these skin infections for a long time. And they finally sent us to a specialist. I know, I'm one of those people. I didn't think I would be, but I am. He is now my child since I don't have any children at home. But I put him on a strict food trial. No treats unless it was like his dry food. They said he could have marshmallows. Yeah, no. I even tried to freeze them, the little mini marshmallows, and he would just spit them out. And he's never been like super food driven, but treats worked if I got him like the really like yummy, stinky ones. So, but he's still never been super food driven, but still no treats at all. Yeah. The only treats they said he could have was his dry food. He's like, I don't want that. I get that all the time. So I continue to train like some, but our visits to places like we did go for some practice visits to the nursing home near me. We would go to Lowe's, 
We would go to the hardware store, things like that, pet stores. But those visits became fewer because I had nothing to reward him with. And he really is such a wonderful dog. He sits, he stays, he has this little trampoline looking thing that Kelsey trained him called his place. And he will go there and he will lay down and he really won't get off for the most part unless you tell him to. He will come when you call him. We have a bell that we ring outside. Again, for the most part, when we ring it, he comes into the house. He does his cute thing called feet where I trained him. He'll put his feet up on the chair by you so you can pet him. He cuddles, he loves, he hugs. He really is the best dog. And you know what? I should say her too. For those of you who knew Lily or have heard me talk about Lily, she was my special golden from 1999 to 2012. And she was also the best dog. I'll post a link to a PowerPoint you may have seen that I shared about her. I'll put that in the show notes. So she was the best dog too. Okay, back to Charlie. Today, even today, we are still struggling with the food thing. We're trying to figure it out. But when I saw that this test was coming up in July, I decided to go ahead and register because it was in a location that's 10 minutes from my house. And that only happens a few times a year. And I'm not a big fan of driving from where I live to Nashville. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to try it. Honestly, I did not think he would pass. And I'm not being negative. I know some people would say, oh, don't speak that. I'm really not. But I didn't think that he would because he still is wiggly and excitable when he sees people. And he gets very excited and pulls you know, on his leash when he sees other dogs. And the other dog is part of the test. So they bring in a neutral dog to walk past you. So I was like, eh. So I said to myself, and I said out loud too, to other people before the test, it doesn't matter one way or the other. I said, he probably won't pass, but it's only $20. I said, if he doesn't pass, we'll just take it again. I said, and the day came. We got to the test site, and really, I should have just turned around and left when I couldn't even get him to be still to register. There had already been six or seven dogs there who had tested before us, and the smells were completely overwhelming to him. He was like diving under the table to register the lady who was registering us. He was trying to smell her. But we stayed. We go in. It's our turn. The first activity, they say. Walk around this taped area with a loose leash. You know what I mean? He's by my side. He's not pulling. Eh, loose leash was kind of a stretch, but they passed him. We moved on. Next test, may I pet your dog? So she comes up. Yes, I say. Well, they're supposed to just sit calmly and be rubbed. Well, he like fell over on his back and he's wiggling, (laughs) kicking his feet. But he did love to be petted. We passed. We moved on. Several more tests. I really think they were being kind, and he was like barely scraping by, but we continued to move on. And then they brought the neutral dog. The end, Charlie, I mean, he didn't bolt or anything, but the test is they cannot try to cross in front of you or behind you. And he did, and I knew it was the end. And they were so nice. I could tell they felt awful for failing us. Okay, yes, us. I'll come back to that. I mean, Charlie is gorgeous. You see pictures of him in the show notes. He's so big. He's so loving. Everyone wants to be with him. Everyone wants to pet him. And I knew that they felt bad that he couldn't pass. But the fact of the matter was, he wasn't ready. Okay? No, I 
wasn't ready. Okay, so we leave with our not ready status, which I put a picture of. Um, I was thinking I was fine with it, right? Because I had said all those things. It didn't matter. It would be okay. But then these weird feelings started to surface. First, I noticed that I felt different about Charlie. You know, my sweet, loving, best friend dog, who was truly the best. I was kind of like, ugh. I don't know if it was anger, disappointment. I don't know. And then I found that I was kind of being consumed by it. Now, my husband and my son were home when I got there, and they came out, you know, and I told them. And they said, you know, oh, man, I'm sorry. Well, who cares what those people think? He is perfect the way he is. And they were so supportive. And, you know, they weren't just saying it to be supportive. They really don't care if he's a therapy dog. He is a wonderful dog. But it didn't help. My mood got worse. It got worse. The next day was church. And if you're listening to me and you go to church, you know, you can you can talk about this if you want later. But I was so ill. You wouldn't have known it. But like, for example, well, you might have known it. But I mean, what I'm about to tell you, you wouldn't have known. When our youth pastor, he was doing like the offering, the call for the offering. And in my head, I was just like, oh, stop talking. Just take the money. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I was just so ill. Now, granted, there had been some other things that were going on, too. But this was consuming me. So I realized it was time to analyze this. What is the deal? Now, I called this episode, I'm doing air quotes, small failures. I'm not really sure what the criteria are for small failures versus gargantuan failures, but I'm pretty sure Charlie not passing a test that we can take again if we want to that costs $20 that just wasn't a huge deal to anyone in the world I'm pretty sure is not a huge failure. Okay, and I even went in knowing he probably wasn't ready. So I started looking into this word and this world of failure. I haven't really thought about it for a long time. I looked at some definitions just for the fun of it. One that that I thought was pretty much spot on was the Webster definition. And it defined failure as an act or instance of proving unsuccessful or lack of success. Well, my test was not a success. And then I read some quotes. You probably don't see me, well, not probably, you won't see me post quotes very often. I'm not really a big motivational quote person. That's another topic for another day. But I I did want to see some. So I found one, J.K. Rowling, you know, the Harry Potter series. And she said, Failure is so important. We speak about success all the time. It is the ability to resist failure or use failure that often leads to greater success. I've met people who don't even want to try for fear fear of failing. Almost all of the quotes mentioned this whole using failure, leading to more success, trying again, bouncing back, using it to move forward, not giving up, and honestly, that made it a little bit worse for me. Okay, so now it's time for the psychotherapy. And I will come back to this quote thing and what I mean by that that made it worse. I'll come back to that. So if small failures lead to gargantuan emotions for you, ask yourself these questions. And as always, a link to these will go in the show notes. Here we go. There are six things that I've been going through. Number one, first, what is really going on here? So I had to ask myself, what is this? What's what's the deal? Is this really about Charlie being 
a therapy dog? Is that what upset me so? Like, am I envisioning these poor people in the assisted living homes just being so distraught because Charlie isn't there? No, no, I wasn't. Is this about Charlie? Is he a bad dog? Is he not cut out for this? No. In fact, there is a classification on that page. Remember I said ours was not ready? There's one called not appropriate for visiting, meaning don't take the test again. Your dog is not cut out for this. Well, that wasn't the case. And they even said to me, they said, oh, he's just so close. He's so close. Just bring him back in a couple of months. So if it's not about the people, it's not about Charlie, what is it about? Me. You probably figured that out already. Okay, so number one, what's really going on here? Number two, now I need to fill in the details. Okay, and I separate those out because the first thing I want to do is pinpoint the specific area. And now I've done that. Number two, now what are the details? Oh, I hate to say this, but it goes back to perfectionism. I failed. Now, I've said that to a couple friends since Saturday And of course, they said the same thing you might be thinking. No, you didn't, because we want to be supportive of people that we care about, and we don't want them to say those things about themselves. And I appreciate that. But the fact is that I did. Okay, now there's more to that than, and I'll I'll come back to that in just a minute. But right at this point, as I was processing this, I remember a book, you might have read it, I read it years ago, called The Four Agreements. Now, you probably already know I'm a Christian. It's not a Christian book. And in my mind, I'm thinking there might have been some things in there that might have even been, I I don't know. I don't remember. It's been a long time. I'm just saying maybe there are some things in there that might have not gone well with my beliefs. I'm not sure. But I read lots of stuff. There's one thing that has stuck with me all these years, not verbatim, of course. And I'll post a link, by the way, to, to the book in the show notes. But here's the thing that stuck with me. That was one of those four agreements. If you get too much self-worth from the highs in your life and the praise, then you'll feel that much worse when you're in the lows and when you're criticized. Wow, I can't believe it, but that's what was happening. For over a year, people would come to my house or be in a store and, and see Charlie and they would say, oh my gosh, he is so good. Oh my, wow, he is so much better than my dog. How did you do this? You have worked so hard. You've done such a great job. Now, look, I'm just being honest. Envision sort of me standing a little taller, smiling a little bigger, feeling accomplished. He is a great dog. I did do a great job. I have worked hard, right? You know, this is digging deep, being honest. And so I've, I always remember this four agreement thing when I'm speaking. It's easy to feel on top of the world when there's a standing ovation and everybody loves you and then feel in the pits when you're off your game and you feel like you have reached no one. So you might recall, if you listened before, that I grew up kind of, I guess, as an outcast, maybe. Um, our house was filthy. We lived kind of in squalor. You know, my mom struggled with mental illness. Our yard was unkept. I was overweight. I was teased. So I never felt like part of, you know what I mean, or normal. So failure and criticism are hard for me. You know, I'll admit it. So that's number two. What are the details of what's going on here? Now let's go a little deeper. 
Number three, was there a hidden goal in this task? Okay, so remember, because we're talking about failure, if we're talking about failure, something wasn't unsuccessful. So there was some sort of a task that you didn't succeed at. So number three, was there a hidden goal in the task? So, so you might say the goal was to get Charlie registered as a therapy dog to visit the elderly. And you'd be right. That was the goal. But there must have been more. Because remember, I said it really wasn't about Charlie, at least the way I felt. It was about me. So it kind of goes back to number two. The hidden goal that I didn't realize was for me to be perfect. Okay, now I surely didn't think this on the surface, but as I look back on the past 15 months, I've probably strived for it, and it became part of the goal. So the failure was not just the test. It was me. I wasn't perfect. So that was the hidden goal I didn't know was there. Let's keep going. Number four, did I do everything I could to be successful? This is another hard one to admit, but no. Okay, I had to take a test as the handler by myself without Charlie, and I took it back in February. And they gave us this big workbook to use as a guide. Had everything in there about the test, um, the way that the visits should go when you would go out, how you were to dress, the equipment, all of those things. And we went through part of it as handlers, and then, you know, each one of us took one so we could use it to study. Honestly, I didn't even look at it except for like the last few minutes before I left to see what I had to take and to remind myself what the test was. And I even wonder if it's because if I didn't know something I was supposed to do, it would kind of let me off the hook. And it had really important information in there. I haven't taken him out much in the past few months. I got tired. He is 80 pounds and he still pulls a a bit and gets super excited around other animals. You probably, I don't know if you follow me on Facebook. I don't think I usually put the post or the uh, link, but I will this time. But if you follow me, you may have seen a video and a post that I wrote. A, A fawn, little baby deer, came bounding up to us a few weeks ago, smaller than Charlie, just plop, 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 just galloping up. And so I videotaped until it got closer and closer. And then I, I shut it off. And Charlie, it got closer and closer and closer. And he was sitting. He was good. But then he could not take it anymore. And he bolted. And he pulled me flat to the ground. And I have some scars that will probably never go away. So sometimes his behavior just exhausts me. So I didn't I didn't take him out as much. I sort of avoided Basically, I set myself up and him for failure. So number four, I did not do everything I could to be successful. Let's keep going. Let's, now let's talk about now and the future. Number five, what now? Remember earlier I mentioned that so many of the quotes talk about picking yourself up and trying again, using, you know, J.K. Rowling says using that failure. Well, why is this, a, why is this hard? Honestly, here's the thing. I have to revisit the goal or the goals. Do I really want this for Charlie and the people he'd visit or do I want it for me? Was I doing it for the right reasons? Did I get joy when I did take him to the practice visits? Did he enjoy it? Would I rather just let him be a great family dog who we all love so much? And if I don't continue the process, is it because I'm afraid? Is it because I'm tired or is it because, honestly, to begin with, 
the goal wasn't really to visit the people like I thought it was. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not really sure. I have to process it more, especially in light of the fact that when I think about more prep, I don't get excited. And maybe that's burnout, but it's not time for me to make that decision yet. I probably will continue because no matter what, um, I would like for him to be a well-behaved dog when we go out. I would like be able to to be able to take him places, and maybe maybe we drive out west sometime and camp. I would love for him to be able to go and not be obnoxious. But it hasn't even been forty-eight hours since that test, and I'm not ready to commit. I'll keep you posted. But the same for you. You need to take time to process. I don't know how long, but you will know. Just continue to process. And finally, number six, how will I move past this mentally? Okay, so number five is sort of what will I do now? But number six is mentally, how do I move past this? At this point, it's all about thought changing. I used to beat myself up when I would have like anxiety provoking thoughts because I thought I should just be able to make it stop. You know, why can't I just make it stop? But that's hard for someone like me and maybe maybe you um, if you're genetically wired to be a little bit more anxious and, and worried and, and obsess about things, um, or if you've just lived a life that has brought you in that. I always say the difference between me now and me prior to and during mental hospital time is not that I don't struggle anymore with my thoughts. The difference is, but now I know I can work through it and it will be okay I know I have the skills to do it. I know that a failed animal evaluation does not affect who I am. I know I still love my dog. I know people don't think any less of me. Now I just have to practice. One of my favorite books I think I've quoted before is called A Stroke of Insight by Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor. And she's a neuroscientist. She actually had a stroke and experienced it and learned from it. And she talks about rewriting rewiring your brain for positivity. And the most important thing I remember she said was, each time you replace a negative thought with a positive one, it gets easier. Each time. That takes commitment. Because each time I start having a negative thought about this perceived huge failure that was only a small failure, I replace it with one of those positive thoughts. (sighs) All right, let's recap, because I did six things um, over the 20 minutes, and I want to make sure that um, you remember what they are. And of course, I'll put a link in the show notes. So when you have what seems like a small failure that elicits a gargantuan response, what do you do? First, ask yourself what's really going on. And that just takes spending time with your thoughts. I've said before, don't let your thoughts be a mystery to you. After you pinpoint it, second, fill in the details. Um, Maybe sit down with a cup of coffee and just be with yourself so that you can spend time delving. Third, considering, remember this was a small failure, now dig to see if there was another goal that you did not know existed. Number four, ask yourself, did you do everything to be successful? It's okay if you didn't. I mean, sometimes we don't, sometimes you do, but you want to make sure that you go through and look at the the steps that you took and whether you did everything you could. Fifth, what now? Will you try again? Will you move forward? 
What is your plan? And finally, number six, how do you move on mentally? And remember, that is all about thought changing and practice, practice, practice. So practice you emotional people out there, including myself, and know that I am with you, praying for you, supporting you every step of the way. Make sure to go get these steps in the show notes. I'm a huge fan of visually processing your difficulties. So get it, write on it, use it, and change your life. And that is our time for today. As always, I hope you learned something new today about failure and that you'll jump in and take some steps and move forward. Please pass the show link along to a friend or two and head over to TammyWest.com to get information if you'd like for me to speak at your next event and you will find all the promised information and show links. The monthly giveaway will come from leaving a comment, as always, on the blog, so be sure to do that. I would love to hear how you process your failures. Um, I think I'll change the giveaway to a Consider Yourself Hugged Mug. So there's a picture there. Um, The mugs have been really popular. I just haven't had a chance to, to post them and sell them yet, but I will. And thank you so much for listening, as always. I hope it means as much to you as it does to me. Finally... Remembering our mental and emotional well-being goal, I hope that you will renew those thoughts daily. Remember, practice, practice, practice. Adopt empowering language that prevents verbal harm to yourself and others and make positive mental and emotional choices on a daily basis. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.